I'm Dr. Max Pemberton, a doctor and Daily Mail columnist, and this is part one of a special three-part podcast for Mail Plus Health, where I speak to Mr. Damien Lake, consultant ophthalmologist at the Queen Victoria Hospital in East Grinstead. Damien, thanks so much. Thanks so much for joining us. No problem. Um, so can you just explain, maybe for everyone, you know, there's a lot of confusion around this sort of thing. What's an ophthalmologist? What's an ophthalmic surgeon? What's an optician? There's lots of these different names, isn't there? And I suppose people don't really know, what you know what's the difference. Yes, I mean, it's very confusing, Max. I mean, most people will be familiar with uh, high street opticians. So an optician, a dispensing optician, is somebody who will sell you a pair of spectacles. So they're going to fit the glasses to your face and sell you the final product. When you're in an optician, you'll see somebody who checks the health of your eyes. And they will do tests on you, uh, look at the back of your eyes, measure the pressure in your eyes. And they are an optometrist. Now, if they find something that's wrong with your eyes, say that they find that you have a condition like macular degeneration, which I'm sure we're going to talk about, or glaucoma, which is pressure in the eyes, they will then refer you to the hospital where you'll see an ophthalmologist. Now, an ophthalmologist is a doctor. So they've been to medical school. They've done their five years of medical training. They then become a junior doctor, trained for a further 10 years, and then they're an ophthalmologist and they deal with medical conditions of the eye. And they then may be divided further into ophthalmologists that do surgery. So they might do cataract surgery or surgery for glaucoma, and that would be an ophthalmic surgeon. But not all ophthalmologists do ophthalmic surgery. Some just treat the eye with eye drops and with tablets, and they would be an, an ophthalmologist. I so see. very confusing. <laughs> no, no, that, was, that was clear. That was useful. So an, opth- an ophthalmologist is, is, a, is a medical doctor. So that's different from all the other types of ophthalmy things. Um, yes. the, the ophthalmologists are doctors, and they're kind of divided into two, which are some, some are surgeons and some are more medical uh, kind of approach. Is that right? That's correct. That's correct. Well, we've got lots of questions for you. It's been a very, very popular, popular topic. I suppose, you know, eyes, people are very concerned about. So we, we've got loads and loads of questions, but we'll, we'll kind of, we pick some of the juicier ones um, to kind of work our way through. So first up, I work on a computer for around nine hours a day and my eyes get so dry, gritty and sore. I do try and remember to take the odd screen break, but I often forget or I just can't get away. What eye drops are best? Some of them, I find, just run straight out of my eye. And is there anything else I could do to help? Well, I think the first thing to think about is why are your eyes not dry in the first place? And the reason that our eyes are not dry in the first place is because they're well lubricated. And they're well lubricated um, by a number of different things. Now, um, in the old days, people used to think of tears as sort of you know, just watery substance on the surface of the eye, but they're actually quite complicated. Now, the tears are a cocktail of different uh, chemicals which come from different glands. Now, uh, along the edge of the eyelid, there are some oil glands called the meibomian glands. On the surface of the eye, there are some glands which produce some mucus. And in the orbit, which is the, um, the hollow in your skull where the eyes sit, there's a gland called the lacrimal gland, which produces more of the watery component. And those three substances mix up together to produce your tear. And if each of them is not producing what it should be producing in the correct proportion, then you'll have dry eye. But on top of that, also, the tear needs to spread. And of course, that's why we blink. 
So you and I having a conversation now, um, not thinking about things, we blink, uh, not because we think, oh no, I must blink, but because our brain just automatically does that. And it does that about 15 times every minute. And that helps spread the tear over the surface of the eye completely. And then the tear exits through two little holes, which are towards the corner of the eye near the nose. And that goes down into the back of the throat, which is why if you put eye drops in, you can taste them. Oh, so it's, so it's kind of going back down that, that, down that little tract into the, and then you sort of taste it at the back of your throat that way. That's right. Tiny little tubes. Right. Now, when people are at their computer uh, or if, if they're on their phone for a prolonged period of time or if they're um, you know, doing anything on iPads and things like this, they're concentrating really hard. Now that, um, that changes the way that our brain works. And instead of blinking 15 times every minute, the blink rate reduces dramatically down to about three to five times a minute. I never knew this, it's really interesting. So over the day, you're not getting the tear spread over the surface of your eye, you're getting dry spots on the surface of the eye. And therefore generally people with what we call VDU syndrome, develop that sort of dry, gritty, or tired eyes towards the end of the day, because it's building up as the day goes on. So some of the things that we need to think about are, just as the, just as the reader suggested, try and get regular breaks where you're not concentrating on the screen. Try and during that break, uh, look into the distance to relax the uh, muscles inside the eye. Try and blink a number of times more than you would do to try and spread those tears. And if you need, if you need to, keep yourself rehydrated. So you want to limit the amount of caffeine you take because caffeine dehydrates you. Uh, so you want to take clear fluids. You want to uh, not drink too much alcohol in the evening, unfortunately. Um, don't smoke because that irritates the surface of the eye. And if those measures are not improving the situation, then you may wish to get dry eye drops, which you can obtain over the counter from your opticians or from the pharmacists. And the best drops to get, that's a difficult one because drops come in, there are, there are a plethora of drops available now and you can buy them online. You don't need a doctor's prescription. Um, they can be very expensive, um, but they basically uh, down into a substance called hyaluronic acid, which sounds like you shouldn't be putting it on the eye, but actually it's very soothing to the eye. And all the studies have found that it's very beneficial. Now, the hyaluronic acid comes in different concentrations. Now, as those concentrations increase, the drop gets thicker, which improves its comfort on the surface of your eye. But because it's thicker, it makes your vision a bit more blurred. So everybody's got to come to their own balance where it's soothing their, the comfort of the eye, but it's not impairing their vision so they can't do their work or you know, clearly drive or, or operate machinery because that would be unsafe. In the evening as well, it's often useful to use a, a little ointment on the surface of the eye because the ointment will work for longer. An eye drop that you put on the surface of the eye will only be retained on the surface of the eye for about 45 to 60 seconds. So you need to regularly replace those eye drops. So, so is that the difference? Is that why sometimes people would use an ointment over a drop just because the ointment basically hangs around longer on the eye? Yeah, the ointment is on the eye for a, for a much, much 
long longer period of time so it's going to have a great greater efficacy but of course because the ointment is thick you can't see through it easily and therefore it's going to blur your vision for longer which is why it's generally recommended to use that just before bed at night because it will keep the eye um, moist overnight um, which is another important point because a lot of people uh, or a significant minority of people are people who don't close their eyes fully when they're asleep at night and therefore the surface of the eye can dry out. Um, it's difficult obviously to tell that from yourself so you need to find out from your partner whether you're somebody who doesn't close your your eyes at night. If so um, then you need to apply a drop of ointment just before you go to bed at night as well just to try and keep the eyes as, as moist as possible. And those measures over time should in the majority of people um, keep the eyes moist enough that you don't get these sort of dry gritty tired eye feelings in the afternoon and evening and another thing is is your keyboard habit as well i mean a lot of people don't use keyboards so much anymore but or, or if you touch the screen every time you press return or every, every time you touch the screen you blinked at the same time that would help spread the tear and reduce this sort of dry eye sensation by the end of the day Oh, that's really helpful. Thanks. Um, well, so the, the next question is kind of the opposite to that. Um, so we're talking about dry eyes. This is the, now quite, quite the opposite problem from our next listener. Over the past 12 months, I've had a constant watery eye. Now it's happened to the other one and it's so annoying, especially as I like to wear eye makeup. I saw an optician who suggested bathing my eyes with pads dipped in hot water but it's made no difference. What more can I do? So what is this? What's this watery eye thing? Yeah, well, that's exactly the right question. What is this watery eye thing? And there can be a plethora of reasons for that. So um, as you know yourself, the, the cure always, always needs to be directed to the problem. So we need to ascertain what the exact problem is. And it basically breaks down into two reasons. Now, we talked before about the two little tubes um, which go down into the back of the throat. Now, if there's a blockage there, then the treatment for that is to remove the blockage. And that can be done either by syringing through the tear ducts after a local anaesthetic has been applied, or in more drastic situations, something called a DCR operation, dacrocystorhinostomy, needs to be performed, where a, um, a surgeon will in enlarge the openings to allow the tears to get down. Because is it true that sometimes people just just like naturally have smaller tear ducts? Is that right? They do. Uh, it's it can it's a situation which is not uncommon in children under the age of twelve, uh, twelve months rather. Um, but usually that's a developmental issue because the tubes um, are created by one growing down and one growing up, and they meet. And when they meet, there can sometimes be a little membrane there. Now that membrane usually is gone by the time you're born but in some people it doesn't dissolve for up to about 12 months after you're born and in some people it doesn't dissolve at all so a small baby with a watery eye may need that to be removed in adults it can be just that you've had a very thin tube all your life and then as you get older it just becomes a little bit narrower and that doesn't allow the tears to get down quite so quickly and then you develop a watery eye and in which case you may need to, to have this operation, which I spoke about, to widen that. But in, in, the, in the grand scale of people with watery eyes, 
that's probably uh, a less common reason. The more common reason is irritation on the surface of the eye, something irritating the surface of the eye. Now that may be um, commonly uh, allergy, but that's normally associated with itchiness. Or uh, another common cause is something called blepharitis, which is probably the commonest cause, which is- an I've had that, it's horrible. It's not very nice at all. <laughs> It's, uh, it's very common in the population. It's basically an inflammation on the edge of your eyelid at the base of the eyelashes. And you can sometimes get little crusts at the base of the lashes. And sometimes you can get little almost whiteheads where the little oil glands are blocked up. And both of those irritate the surface of the eye. And when you irritate the surface of the eye, there's a reflex which produces tears. And then you get an excess of those tears because the body is trying to flush away what's irritating it. And, and that's the reason for the watery eye. Now, the, the treatment for blepharitis is, which, and I suspect that that's what the optician has found because they've, um, they've recommended pads to clean the lashes. Um, I, I would say though that the, the little crusts at the base of the lashes are often quite oily. Now, pads dipped in just cold boiled water are not gonna get rid of that oily substance in the same way as, um, you know, in the old days, we used to do washing up in the sink with fairy liquid. Um, you wouldn't wash up your Sunday roast tin with just hot water. You need to use some sort of detergent to get rid of that, um, that, that, that fatty deposit in the, in, the, in, the, in the tins. And the same with the, medic, with the pads. So there are commercially available medicated pads. Off the top of my head, probably the best one is something called Optase iPads which also contain tea tree oil. Now the tea tree oil is there because the blepharitis in a large subset of patients is caused by a little mite called Demodex. And the tea tree oil kills the Demodex mite. So it's important to use those. And you use it twice a day initially when you've got it and you're quite vigorous cleaning the base of the eyelashes, and over time that will help. The other things to do is you can buy a, a heated mask. So you're seen in beauty salons, you get, a, you get a mask, a cool mask, which goes over the eyelids to get rid of puffiness. Yeah, like you, cucumbers, little bits of cucumber. Exactly, which isn't, isn't unpleasant. You know, you sit there for five minutes, think about your life, have a relax. It's a nice five minutes in the day. So if you have blepharitis, you've got this irritation to deal with, so you can buy a heated mask. The commonest mask is something called the eye bag, straightforward name, buy it online. And you, it goes in the microwave. It heats up to 40 degrees. And it's important that it heats up to 40 degrees because that melts the oils in the, in the oil glands. It just rests over your eyes. You lie back, think about whatever you want to do, meditate for five minutes. You do that twice a day. And over the period of about two weeks, that will improve your situation. So that's what I would recommend in, in this case, as it sounds like it's probably blepharitis. And after you've done the heated mask, the next thing to do is just to gently massage the, the oil glands. And you do that just by closing the eyes and with the heel of your palm, just cover the eyelids and just a gentle circular movement. And that will help just push the oils out of the oil glands to get things going. Two weeks of that and in most people, there'll be symptomatic improvement. Oh, brilliant. That's amazing. Thank you. So next question. About a month ago, my daughter began to have trouble with her eyes. It started with one eye feeling itchy and then her eyelashes became crusty and the eyelids became sore, red and swollen. 
her GP prescribed antibiotics. But when these didn't work, a different GP said the symptoms were due to an allergy or eczema and prescribed a steroid cream. However, she was only allowed to use these for five days as they thin the skin. She's now stopped using the cream and both her eyes are puffy and swollen again. What else can she try? Well, again, we've got to discern what the problem is here. Now, the symptom of itch would suggest that it's one of two things generally. Either a viral conjunctivitis, so it's caused by the same virus as, you know, you get coughs and colds from. And, and just to say, conjunctivitis is, is a, the, it's like an infection or inflammation of, of part of the eye, isn't it? Yes, so the lining of the eye. So when, you, when we look at each other, you can see the coloured bit of your eye and either side you can see the white of the eye. The white of the eye we call the sclera. Over the surface of the sclera is a thin membrane, which is usually see-through, called the conjunctiva. And that's like the skin of the eye, basically. And it's there to protect the surface of the eye. But when it gets inflamed or when it gets infected, it goes red and it can produce um, pussy material which can then stick the eyelashes together. And that's what we would call conjunctivitis. And conjunctivitis commonly is caused by bacteria, which would then be cured by antibiotics. But it sounds as if in this case, the antibiotics didn't sort out the situation. So it's probably not a bacterial conjunctivitis, which means that the two other most common causes would be either allergy, so an abnormal reaction to pollens or dust in the atmosphere or to uh, a virus, viral conjunctivitis. So the same virus that causes coughs and colds. Now, a viral conjunctivitis usually will be self-limiting, meaning that it's a bit of a pain, like having a cold, but it will generally go away over about two to four weeks. If that's not happened, as sounds likely in this case, then it's probably allergy. And the symptom of itch would suggest that allergy is more common because allergy creates itch in the same way, you know, you get an itchy nose if you've got allergy, you get a tickly throat, which makes you cough, all that sort of stuff. And the eyes are the same. You get sort of itchiness of the eyes. Now, there are some over-the-counter preparations which you can buy for allergy. Commonest would be sodium chromoglycate. Uh, the problem with those are they need to be used frequently, three to four times a day. And they take a long time to work um, because what they do is they stabilize the cells which break down and release the histamine. So often you may need to take it for a week to two weeks. And what happens with most people is that they use it for two days and say, well, this hasn't had any effect, rubbish in the bin, uh, which is fair enough. Um, the other medicines which help are something called mast cell stabilizers and histamine blockers in a joint sort of cocktail in the drop, which work very quickly within a day or two. Unfortunately, those are prescription-only medicines. Personally, I don't see why they're prescription-only medicines, but they are. And therefore, you need a prescription from either your GP or from an ophthalmologist, or rarely from an optometrist, which is the guy in the optician shops who checks your eye. And that can work very quickly. Um, and in most people, that will control the itch and make you feel better. There are then a number of questions on top of that, which is what causes... Uh, the allergic conjunctivitis? Um, is it going to recur? Now, allergies in our population are very, very common, and they're linked with asthma and eczema and all of, the, all of these, what we call atopic diseases. 
but in some people, they're, they're amenable to further treatment. So if you're then lucky enough to get referred to an allergist, an allergy specialist, they can do skin prick tests and in some select cases find that you're allergic to a certain grass pollen or a certain dust mite and they can give you something called immunotherapy which is either administered via a little injection under the skin or a squirt of a substance underneath your tongue which over time makes you less allergic to that substance and can then decrease the need for all these allergy medications. So it kind of desensitizes you to what you're allergic to. Exactly. But at the moment, the, the issue is that there are a huge amount of people with allergies and only a very small amount of allergy doctors. So gaining access to, to those doctors will be very difficult. Now, the other issue here is the use of the steroid drops. Now, steroid drops are great for allergic problems on the surface of the eye. But what they're not good for is if you've got an infection like a bacteria. So if this was a bacteria, the steroids would decrease the immune system and allow the bacteria to proliferate and actually get worse. So it's important, first of all, that an eye professional, either an optometrist or an ophthalmologist, take a look at the eye to make sure it's definitely not an infection uh, before you administer steroids, particularly if you're a contact lens wearer, because contact lens wearers can get really serious infections from contact lenses, which steroids would make much, much worse. So once we've excluded that, and we've decided that we are going to give steroids. Steroids are very good for allergies, but steroids do have some significant risks, such as raised pressure in the eye, which we call glaucoma, and they can make cataracts develop. Now, cataracts are cloudy lens inside the eye. Now, both of those would be a serious complications of steroid use. Now, if the steroid is used for only five days, I would think that the risk of that is really, really rare. But the problem can be where people get hold of steroid eye drops and they use them for a prolonged period of time and nobody's monitoring both the pressure in the eye and the development of cataract. And that can lead to in tragedies. So I wouldn't suggest anyone using steroid eye drops unless they were being monitored by uh, an eye care professional. Wow. So, the, so there's a reason why they say only use them for five days. It's really, really important. It is really important because you, you, can, you can get yourself in big trouble even to the point of you know, vision loss with, with steroids which are administered in an unlicensed fashion without being checked regularly. So, so it sounds like, in this case, establishing what really is the underlying cause is kind of really, really, really important. Um, and if, it, if it's an allergy, then there's certain treatments for the allergy. And if it's a viral conjunctivitis, then actually it's gonna, it will resolve itself. Are they not antiviral medications in the same way there's antibiotics? There are a very limited number of antiviral medications, and most of those are for herpes simplex, which is the virus which causes cold sores. So about 50% of the population will get cold sores on their lips, and a small percentage will actually get the cold sore in the eye, which is uh, a, the commonest reason for corneal blindness so the cornea is a clear window of the front of the eye so if you get an ulcer in the cornea it can lead to scarring and reduction of vision now there are antiviral ointments and tablets for that but there are not antiviral medications pretty much for any other virus um, so unfortunately like having the common cold you normally just have to put up with it for a couple of weeks 
there are a few symptomatic things or, or things which help the symptoms which you can do so cold compresses to decrease the swelling and the artificial teardrops which we talked about before in the dry eye condition um, if you put those in the fridge and chill them and then apply them regularly then that soothes the eye and makes them makes them feel a bit more comfortable but there are no medicines which kill the virus and get rid of the virus we just have, you just have to kind of wait for your body to to, to do the work yeah, the, the body's immune system is developed for this. It kills a virus and it will generally go in about two to four weeks. Well, that's all we've got time for today, but come back next week for part two. In the meantime, if you want more from Damien Lake, he is at damienlake.com and you can find us on Spotify, Apple and Google. Whilst you're there, please leave us a review and don't forget to sign up for the Daily Mail Plus briefings at mailplus.co.uk. 